Since the COVID-19 pandemic began, healthcare safety in the United States has declined. This rapid degradation of patient safety suggests that the U.S. healthcare system lacks a sufficiently resilient safety culture and infrastructure. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Lee Fleischer, Chief Medical Officer and Director of the Center for Clinical Standards and Quality at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Dr. Fleischer has co-authored a perspective article about building a resilient healthcare delivery system. Dr. Fleischer, before the COVID-19 pandemic, what evidence was there that patient safety was actually improving in the United States? And what safety-related challenges was the healthcare system still facing? We work with both the CDC, with the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, and certainly we collect our own data. And we were seeing on those areas that there have been quality measurement as well as data collection, marked improvements in things such as central line-associated bloodstream infections in U.S. hospitals, looking at catheter-associated urinary tract infection, ventilatory-associated events, falls in hospitals, that when we put our attention on it, we saw improvements over time, really over the last 10 years, certainly over the last five years until the public health emergency and the pandemic occurred. So what do we know about how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected patient safety? In what areas are you seeing deterioration? Where we're really seeing it, and this is work we're doing with our colleagues at the CDC, is around, as I said, bloodstream infections that we almost saw a reversal by 28% increase in the second quarter of 2020 in that particular area. We saw an increase in methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus bacteremia in catheter-associated urinary tract infection, as well as some of the safety measures that we see in the nursing homes, where we really, as a team, CDC and CMS, have worked tirelessly during the public health emergency to try to protect the residents. And those all through our data collection has been important areas that we have unfortunately seen this reversal. Do you think that the primary factors have been lack of time and staff, or are there other reasons that safety efforts are stalling? I am still a practicing anesthesiologist and working in our N95s all day. Uh, I do it twice a month now, but I did it more frequently at the beginning of the public health emergency. It is difficult under those circumstances. Staff are tired. With the current wave of Omicron, we've seen large number of staff outages, sicknesses. So I think it is some degree staffing, it is time, but it's also important that whether or not we embedded some of the practices, we frequently talk about using checklists, but some of those checklists were not as deeply embedded in the culture of the institution. We talked about in our article, some of the work that Mary Dixon Woods has really focused on about the culture around things like checklists. These were important factors that led to some of these changes that given the stressors on the system, we are not surprised and therefore give, and all the amazing work of all the healthcare workers and everybody who's in the healthcare ecosystem to really protect patients and residents throughout this pandemic. So we're really calling that at the end of the PHA, which we hope is in sight, that we redouble these efforts. Has the pandemic affected patient safety in similar ways throughout the country, or 
have certain regions, certain populations face disproportionate harm, do you think? That is something we're still studying. We're still looking. We know that depending on the surges, the surges in the number of patients coming in with COVID-19 in different parts of the country is occurring in different times. We've seen some correlations that suggest that some of the healthcare-required infections do change based upon those surges, that those staffing challenges do change. We haven't looked fully at that question, but I suspect there are large correlations with what's happening locally and the ability to continue to have those high-quality practices where safety is the embedded focus of all care. So you write in your perspective article that the pandemic shows the need to reevaluate healthcare safety with an eye toward building a more resilient healthcare delivery system. So what can health systems and individual practices do to ensure that they maintain the high safety levels that are needed during crises? One of the things that we have seen and in fact published in Catalyst is the issue of implementation of best practices and What we have seen in many institutions is they have emergency plans, but how they implement them in a time of crisis is really quite important. So we are jointly with all of our federal partners thinking about how do we make sure that post-pandemic, that we actually have an idea that not only during times of normal practice, that in times of stress or crisis, and it doesn't have to be an infectious agent. It could be, for example, a weather-related event like a hurricane, et cetera, that those practices are so well ingrained in what we do that we know how to implement them quickly. Finally, what can be done at the policy level? What kinds of actions are needed by policymakers and regulators to support this resiliency in the healthcare system? We are working with all our federal partners, as I mentioned, not only the CDC, but also the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. And thinking about one thing is data collection. We really are thinking a lot about advancing safety and quality of maternal care, for example, in which CMS is encouraging hospitals to implement evidence-based patient safety practice for managing obstetrical emergency along with interventions to address other key contributors to maternal health and the issue of disparities and the delivery of equitable, which I think is really important to the entire administration, as well as that high quality care. So expanding what we think about in the safety area. We're also exploring issues, for example, in nursing homes of the relationship between staff turnover and quality of care and looking how our overall star ratings for facility increase, how that's related to lower turnover. So therefore, not only the issue of the staffing numbers, but the staffing stability in these places. So what I think we need is a renewed national goal of harm elimination throughout the healthcare system and a core safety strategy that importantly promotes radical transparency addressing work shortages, and continuing to strive for safety while being sensitive to such trade-offs as burden and costs. And we believe it's very important that we embed this in this idea of health disparities because there's no true healthcare quality and safety without equity. So we think that's the other key element 
that is important. And finally, I think as policymakers, we need to commit to improve the transparency that allows families and caregivers to find the best quality of care for their loved ones. And we're beginning to post more and more data. So I think our overall strategic vision is to ensure better health, better health care, and better health coverage for all Americans, to emphasize health equity and working throughout the ecosystem to ensure safety outcomes throughout the country. Thank you, Dr. Fleischer.